Welcome to the Focus and Chill podcast, where we discuss productivity tactics that work for neurodiverse individuals. Every episode, we interview guests with lived experience of neurodiversity who also have a solid productivity and habit game, and pass the learnings on to you, our wise and benevolent audience. We're your hosts, Jeremy and Joey. I'm Joey, and I coach creatives to get moving on their most ambitious projects through the power of solid habits and strong focus. I'm also a perpetual student of psychology and perpetually on a quest to a one-armed chin-up. And I'm Jeremy. I'm a neurodiverse software developer turned startup founder, building habit and focus software for people with ADHD. My cool party trick is leaving parties early so I get to sleep on time to do my three hour long morning routine. The Focus and Chill podcast is brought to you by Focus Bear, a habit and productivity app that makes healthy habits and deep work the path of least resistance. If you have a tendency to check emails or scroll through Instagram first thing in the morning, but long to develop a meditation and exercise habit first thing, Focus Bear can help you. The app blocks distractions on all your devices and guides you through your habits one at a time. Throughout the day, Focus Bear assists you to stay in deep work by blocking websites and apps that are unrelated to your chosen focus mode. Life's not all about work though. You'll be prompted to take regular breaks to rest your eyes and stretch your muscles. At the end of the day, Focus Bear helps you switch off. Work-related apps get hidden so you can unwind and sleep well. Check out the app by going to focusbear.io. Welcome to episode 24 of the Focus and Chill podcast. We're thrilled to be joined by nobody today. We don't have a guest, but we've got some interesting topics to talk about instead. Joey and I are going to explore the power of pause, using equipment as a crutch, writer's block, managing our email inboxes, using pocket and cleaning. We'll see how many of these topics we can get through. <laughs> Let's start out with the first one, the power of the pause. I'll give some context here that I was in a, a session today for an ADHD learning program that I'm doing. And we were talking about the stress management cycle and how there's a constructive way to deal with stress and a destructive way. And the destructive way is the whole react instead of respond that if someone says something that annoys you, then immediately say something catty back at them and burn your bridges. Don't really reflect on what it's gonna do to the relationship. Whereas the constructive way is to pause when you hear something that is a little bit activating and maybe go for a walk and reflect on what you want to say, what your goals are for the relationship, and then come back and say something very Zen and very <laughs> kind. And my question back to the facilitator was, okay, that sounds good in theory, but how do you actually remember to pause when the stakes are high? Mm. That, that They're the times where, I feel that I tend to devolve and my lizard brain gets activated and I don't necessarily act in a way that I would that I would admire in myself. Joey had a suggestion for how to handle these kind of situations. Yeah, so I think I think it's important to uh not not train in the highest stakes environment to start off with. I think I think it's all I think it's good to adapt your training, but when you're starting out with something like presence or um, trying to uh, send back constructive responses, it probably pays to train in a low stakes environment. So I think I think the background behind a lot of this is probably the idea of presence and pausing and being able to zoom out. And so in, in terms of cultivating this practice, I think 
it's really good to do something pleasurable and be present with that. I think too often we, when we don't have to concentrate, like for example, if we get into the shower, which is a nice pleasurable activity, we can um, be distracted and think about other things, uh, but it, it pays to use that time to actually drop into the moment, use all five senses, like think, Look at look at the steam rising up from the shower. Feel the the water on your on your skin. Hear the water coming out. Um, I I don't know if um my shower has a particular smell. I should probably drop into that. But uh, uh and I'm not sure if I really taste anything either. But uh, as much as you can, drop into the sensory um experience. Or if you're eating something that you really like, that's that's probably a really good example. Like how it tastes, how it feels in your mouth how it smells, what it looks like, um, the, possibly like the, the sound of it cooking, uh, dropping, like really being present with pleasurable experiences um, and training that will help you to be present uh, in not so pleasurable experiences. That, that's my whole take. It's an interesting idea because I find that creativity is highest at times like that when I'm in the shower or I'm cooking mm. and I'm doing something with my body and I'm not actively thinking about a certain thing. Yes. So when I hear that, I start thinking that you're saying that you're robbing me of my creativity. If I have to do that, do you have yeah, any I, thoughts on how to balance it? Is it a, a matter of maybe you begin with presence for a couple of minutes and then after that, let your mind wander into, into the default mode network and have creative insights. That's a very good point. I think um, you could, if you want to be really intentional about it, you could, do what's called switch between convergent and divergent thinking. So in terms of convergent, convergent basically means focus. And so you go, go into the shower or, the, or eating your favorite food or whatever pleasurable experience it is, and you really, really focus in on that stuff. And you might say, okay, I'm going to do that for like, like, let's say 10 mindful breaths. I'm going to go in there and I'm going to like basically count 10 breaths and feel all those that those pleasurable sensations. And then after that, you can say, okay, divergent mode, just going to let my mind wander now. Because I think that that convergent, that convergent part has actually given you like a little bit of a break uh, and has allowed you to, to get that presence. And then you can go into that divergent mode. And that 10 breaths is just like an arbitrary number I pulled out. You could do whatever you like um, and you just play with it. So for example, after I work out and I do meditation, I specifically split it up into half. So I set it for a 10 minute meditation. I set five minutes as a divergent. Sorry, I go divergent first and then I go convergent to try and bring anything that I've, um, anything that's I plucked out of the ether. I tried to um, think about, okay, so how am I actually going to use that? So that's a good point, Jeremy. Like um, it's um, yeah, you definitely don't want to rob yourself of your creativity in those relaxed moments where um, uh, your diffuse mode network is, is working on problems. I guess everyone's different as well. I, I find that I tend to get uh, really creative solutions when I'm trying to focus on something. <laughs> um, so yeah, I, I guess my best advice is to um, have a play around with it and um, see see what balance works works best for you. Mm. That idea of doing the divergent thinking first that seems to be the way that it normally operates for me. Oh. Um, I'll I'll go for a, a run, and the first ten minutes of the run, my brain will be quite busy. I normally yeah. keep a piece of paper in my pocket with a, a pencil so I can write down ideas. And then after that time, 
it's not necessarily a fixed amount of time, but after that, my brain seems to quiet down and mm. then it's easier to, to just be mindful and be thinking about the way that my legs are moving and enjoying the, the world around me as I'm running. Yeah. That's it. And I think, um, I'll, I'll just quickly say that I think writing things down when you've got the idea is such a powerful technique that I don't think enough people use because, um, it depends on what you want to do. So like, let's say you've got an idea and you think, oh, okay, I'd like to develop this more in my, my head while, while I'm running or what have you, then that that's, that's, that's okay. Um, but if it's like, okay, I've got this idea and I'll write it down when I get back home. Say if you're going on a run and you've got, got this idea and you go, okay, I'll hold it in my head and I'll, um, keep running, uh, my understanding is that 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 actually blocks a lot other, a lot of other creative thought because of this thing called the zygonic effect, which means that um, uh, so basically when you have an idea, it's an open loop, and so uh, you can close that loop by writing it down um, or like basically taking it out of your head, which allows your brain to come up with other ideas. Uh, whereas if you um, you can you can also use this effect to your advantage because if you've got it in your head and you want to work on it a bit more by not taking it out of your brain by not offloading that, you can potentially work on it um, while you're running. So there's two ways of, uh, of um, using that time to your advantage, I guess. Hmm. Yeah, I guess it comes down to working memory limits that we yes. it's still not in our long-term memory yet. So we, we can't really hold more than three things. Or they were originally saying seven things, but I think it's been downgraded to five plus or minus two. Yeah, yeah. Five plus or minus two now. Right, right. Yeah, excellent. And I guess the other aspect of it that we were talking about is a martial arts analogy of that we don't rise to the, the level of the challenge, that we fall to the level of our training. Yeah. At times, there are situations where a stressful situation will elevate performance, but there's a sort of a threshold in the same learning program they were talking about the Yerkes Dodson law, which is a ratio between stress and performance mm. and it's basically a bell-shaped curve that yes when there's low stress performance is low when there's a middle medium amount of stress performance is pretty high but when yep. there's too much stress for at least complex tasks anyway your performance declines completely i guess that's when it comes into the fight or flight response we want to be sitting more in the the point where it seems important it's more of the flow state where there's importance and it's within our level of competency and we can concentrate well on it and do a good job. But if it's too far on either to the left or the right, we're probably not going to do well. Yeah. So practicing more situations makes me think maybe I should practice being insulted so that I can <laughs> be ready when it I mean, it's not really that I get insulted at work, but more that someone might say something that is counter to the way that I want to run the project, that someone has a different idea and yeah. it feels threatening. And if I I can be in a, a low stress state, then I, I won't immediately fly off the handle. Mm. But if I mm. have already entered the meeting feeling quite triggered, then it doesn't take much to set me off. Yeah. Having some time before the meeting and trying to get my head right is probably important. Yeah, so, so many things there. Like I, I think, um, I think, I think it's about three things. One, one is that like, um, it seems to be a lot of overlap with um the concept of flow. I think because in in flow they say that uh you want to choose a task or choose a difficulty that matches your 
your level of skill. And so uh, in, in the same way, like it's, if you're too stressed out, then you're not going to, um, you're not going to get into a flow state. If it, if you're not stressed enough or if the, the challenge is not high enough, you're going to feel underwhelmed and you're not going to be able to, um, uh, yeah, you're not going to be able to get into the flow state. And I guess like that, that corresponds to not getting optimal training or not getting optimal learning. I think um, what you're saying about the choosing low stress conversations to, to practice this um, ability of pausing is um, yeah, I, I completely sympathize with that because my, my whole thing is I know when um, I, I try to be curious but when I come, I come across someone that is that I perceive as overconfident, that curiosity goes out the window because I automatically try to show them that they're not that they that like their overconfidence is unwarranted, and so <laughs> I, I find myself being a lot less curious and a lot more um, interrogative. I think. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, I I think also um, that the third thing was that have you heard much about like the idea of future pacing, Jez? Um, like where you where you think about okay well I know I'm going into this situation where I'm I'm possibly going to get stressed so I'm going to um, I'm going to this situation that I, I know is going to stress me out so um, I can kind of prepare myself to to lose my mind responsibly uh, if that makes sense. So is it a little bit of a visualization exercise? I'm not familiar with the concept. Yeah, yeah. So it's it's basically it's basically that idea. Yeah. So like um. I have this thing when, when I used to commute uh, to work uh, every, every day, the bus stop used to be really busy and people used to cut in line. And um, you know me, like I, I really don't like it when people cut in line. I'm all for, I'm all for um, transit justice. Uh, but uh, so it was, it was a guarantee that almost a guarantee that I was going to get annoyed uh, in the mornings when I'm, when I'm going to the bus. So it was basically the idea of like saying, you know what, I'm going to uh, probably get to the bus bus line and someone's probably going to cut in and I'm going to make this an opportunity to practice um, like stoicism. Basically, is there something that I can do about this? Well, I could tell them, I could tell them off, but is that going to make much of a difference? Um, no. So I'm going to choose not to tell them off. I'm just going to accept it. I'm just going to accept this is the way the world is. Sometimes it's people that will cut in line. It's just like the weather can't change it. And so uh, yeah, it's, it, it is future pacing. It's a bit of visualization. Um, yeah. Similar to the Marcus Aurelius quote then. Yes. Each morning today, you will meet people who are meddlesome, ungrateful and line cutting. That's it. That's it. Let's move on to the second point, which was around using equipment. And this one, it was sparked by a LinkedIn post that Joey commented on, which had this really cool video of children in a classroom. I can't remember which country. Was it Thailand or China, somewhere like that? Mm. And it's time for their meditation break. And they all get their chairs out in transformer mode. And normally they're upright chairs. And suddenly they recline back at 45 degrees. And they're able to get into a nice meditation pose. And a lot of people were liking this post and saying, oh, they should do this in every school. And Joey, your comment was but this might give us the perception that we need this special chair in order to be able to meditate. Mm. Want to elaborate more on that? Yeah. So I think what I've noticed in a lot of, in um, having conversations with people about meditation is that they, they think there's a right way to do it. And while 
yeah, there, there is there is some fine tuning that can happen to um, to get the most out of your out of your practice. The thing is that a lot of people try to try to get perfect from the outset, and it um, stops them from starting. And so, yeah, it's 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 one of those like the perfect being the enemy of the good type things. And so, if people think that they need to sit in a perfect lotus position to in order to meditate, and they can't do that, and that stops them from meditating then it's uh it's it's one of those things where and i'm not even sure if you need to sit in a lotus position i don't think i've ever done that before i just sit cross-legged on the on the mat uh so cross-legged my hip flexors start getting sore oh geez yeah yeah so uh i think i'm I'm not a meditation expert but i guess the, the the thing that i'd love to for people to take away is that you can you can be mindful in any position and that is ultimately the, the end goal of having a meditation practice. You sit on the mat or you sit down or you um, hang upside down or you walk around and you meditate. And the idea is that you carry that, you carry that practice into your everyday life. A bit like what we were saying with taking a shower or eating something pleasurable. You're in essence, what you're doing by engaging all five of your senses is you're being mindful. So you can almost turn that into a meditation practice. And um a lot of meditation teachers will probably be like face palming as I say that, but it's um, it's it's one of those things where you're ultimately doing this very um, intentional meditation practice, so you can bring mindfulness into your everyday life. And so, if you start tying it to needing certain tools, or needing to get into a certain position, or needing to do it at a certain time of day, well, those are all good for habit forming. They shouldn't be crutches to that stop you from carrying the practice into all the other parts of your life so that if you are having a stressful conversation with someone, you can bring that meditation that you had on the mat or um, wherever you do your meditation practice, you can bring that mindfulness into that situation. Yeah. It makes me think about state dependence that there can be a situation where maybe you always have a cup of coffee before you start studying or start working. And then you feel that without that cup of coffee, (laughs) some my cup of chamomile tea (laughs) i'm not going to be able to focus i'm not going to be able to meditate and there may be some argument to it that there there can be performance enhancing traits from certain things that you consume or certain environments but i guess the key thing is to not have it be something that you're dependent on that you can still meditate or you can still focus without those things around you makes me wonder about mixing it up a bit Yes. Doing it sometimes without the additional equipment and sometimes with. That's it. Yeah. I I think, I think it depends on how mature the routine is. So I I feel like when I'm working with someone to create um, a habit in, in their routine, I will often say, try to slot this into a routine that you already have. So for instance, right after you make your cup of tea, like you're boiling the water, think about like actually sitting down and writing that cold email or writing that um, that first sentence of your story, whatever, whatever the habit is that you want to install. Um, have your cup of tea, sit down, start writing. That's the sequence. Uh, but then as, as people start to get more mature with that habit, if I, if I see that they're, they're getting more and more comfortable with it, I'll actually start saying, okay, well, play around with where that habit is in the sequence or maybe try it like, um, don't, so you make the cup of tea, instead maybe exercise after that and then do the habit after the exercising. 
Um, so yeah, like I think I think it's great to to mix it up so you, you don't feel like it's a crutch. Like for example, you don't feel like if you're out of coffee, then you, you can't start writing or you can't do your cold email. So yeah, hundred percent. Yeah, but the, I think that there's a middle way here, like many things mm. that I don't think what we're saying is don't use crutches at all. Yes, um, we're saying that they can be helpful, but they're not important. They're not crucial. For example, yes. I'm looking at getting a wearable device to help with breath work. It's this mm-hmm. belt that you put around you and it can detect whether you're breathing diaphragmatically. Mm. And it can also tell, it's meant to be able to tell if you're working and then you start doing more chest breathing, which might indicate anxiety. Ah. Something that I'm quite interested in because I often don't feel particularly aware of my breathing that I can get into a state where I don't have any interception. And part of me is thinking this could be the silver bullet that I'll now be able to tell when I'm drifting into anxiety. But yes. I'm also thinking about it, that <laughs> these kind of devices often actually don't work all the time. They might mm. not be liable or if I'm traveling and that can often be a stressful situation, I probably wouldn't bring it. So it's ideally I'll be able to have that same state of mind, even if I don't have this special belt. Yeah, exactly. So I, I'd, I'd probably say that the takeaway is that uh, can use crutches, can use training wheels to start out with. Uh, and then as you get more and more comfortable with a habit, you can start taking the training wheels off, uh, seeing how you ride without them. And um, adding, you can always add them back in if you need to. Uh, and yeah. I think that's the takeaway. Use use the crutches and the training wheels to to start out, and then when you feel more comfortable with them, see how you go without them. Uh, and yeah. Hello there. This is Joey. I'm excited to tell you about a project I run where I help imaginative people just like you breathe life into their creative dreams, like writing that book or performing that stand up comedy set. I know the first step can be daunting. I have been there many times and have helped many people on a similar journey. If you've wondered how to bring those ideas swimming around in your head to life, get in touch. We'll shrink the intimidating dragon off a goal into a cute little lizard of an achievable daily habit that you can do every day to get started and stay moving. Click on the link in the show description to get in touch. You mentioned writing. Writing cold emails, I think, was the context. Our next topic was around writer's block. You've been creating some content around that recently on LinkedIn. Do you want to steal your your biggest tips around getting out of creativity blocks? Yeah, sure thing. Uh, one of my favorite topics. So I think I, I think there's two things. One thing is people tend to put too much pressure on themselves to um, carve out a long period of create, creative time. And so one, one of the things that um, my, my clients often come to me and they, they say like, um, okay, so I want to do X project. I want to write a book. I want to um, like de- develop um, the sale, like a, a sales strategy, or I want to, yeah, like all, all different creative things. They'll come to me and they'll say, but I don't have an hour in my day to, to cultivate this. And I say, well, don't use an hour, <laughs> use five minutes. Um, and so the, the idea is that creativity doesn't need to happen in a in a large block where you can just like just like sit and like look out the window and just like let your mind wander um creative thoughts can happen during that time but if you have a a set five minutes every day where you just like say okay i'm just going to write a sentence it doesn't have to be a good sentence because like the, the bottom line is 
you write enough bad sentences, you're going to come across a good sentence, right? Um, you write no sentences, you're not going to come across a good sentence. And so that's the the one thing, which is, I think I think people feel they they feel like they need a long block of time to to be creative. And I, I can tell you that that's not the case. You're more likely to be creative if you, instead of trying to carve out one block of time every like like every month or something, you're better off um, going for like five minutes every day. I, and so uh, that's that's the one thing. And the other thing is, too many people try to create from a blank page and that is playing that is playing the game on hard mode i think we all have ideas and uh much like what what you were saying before jess with like going going running and then taking a notepad with you so you can write stuff down uh and then that frees up your brain to think about other things not enough people do that and i think a lot of people uh, i think it's an underrated skill or um underrated practice to carry around something with you where you can just park your ideas without like needing to refine them or sort them just uh like just blur just like vomit the idea somewhere and uh you you can let your future self clean it up and refine it later on and then you write from a sense of abundance rather than from a sense of scarcity so um if if there's one thing that if the one thing that um connects both of those points it's that people put too much pressure on their creative time. Uh, and so they come into like, they wait, they wait, they wait. And then suddenly this, like um, this, I was trying to try to think of like some mythical um, beast that ha- that comes across every so often. Like I was going to some, some kind of Haley's whale or comet. something. What's that? Sorry. Haley's comet comes every 65 years. Haley's comet. Haley's comet. I love it. So um, Haley's comet comes around and they're like going, shit, this is, this is a time I got to, I got to create. And then they they come there like they, they they come to their page, it's blank, but they got all this time to work on it, and like at the end of the day, they feel really bad about themselves because Haley's comment has come around and they have not taken advantage of it. Mm. Whereas I'm saying, what, what's the, what's a smaller version of Haley's comment? I don't know. <laughs> Haley's pebble. <laughs> what was that? The sun. The sun. Is that a bigger version of Haley's comment? <laughs> well, let's let's call it Haley's pebble anyway. So like make it. Like try and try and um take advantage of Haley's pebble every day. Um, excuse me. <coughs> um, sorry, I'm not I'm not getting choked up. I just uh it's an emotional topic. It's, it's just creativity is so important to me. No, um, it's uh yeah, so I'd I'd probably say instead of waiting for like this this um this chunk of time that happens intermittently, you don't really know when it's going to happen. Yeah, like uh, a public holiday, for example, that yes, I have four yes. hours to write my book. Exactly, exactly, yeah. And while I'm a big fan of that, I'm a big fan of that idea because it gets some perfectionism out of out of the way because it's just like saying, okay, I'm just going to sit down, I'm going to write. Um, I would also say that it's going to be difficult to do that if you haven't already gotten into the mode of just writing every day and overcoming that perfectionism um because uh yeah like it, it's a muscle you gotta you gotta get into that expressive mode uh the creative mode and it, it's it's almost like saying okay like this public holiday i'm gonna run a marathon i'm just gonna run for 24 hours it's like you're gonna you're gonna injure yourself uh mm-hmm. and if you if you if you haven't been running like before mm-hmm. and so yeah that's that's basically what the um what those um posts boil down to yeah mm-hmm. The point around the, I guess, the the structure side of it is really interesting. 
because I, I found I'm working on a book and I'm, I've been coached by Joey and I'm doing my <laughs> 10 minutes every day of, I'm up to 17,000 words now and it's felt quite easy doing a bit each day. But the, the part that is sometimes challenging is when I finish the section, then it's hard to figure out what do I do next? Because normally mm. it's a bit like Oscar Wilde or someone like that said that they always finish their writing practice by leaving a sentence unfinished. And that's mm. essentially what happens to me because I, I have focus there with 10 minutes and then it'll cut me off at a random time. And I, I often haven't actually finished this, the sentence or yep. definitely not the paragraph. And it's easy yep. to come back and yes. continue from where I was up to before. But then when I finish a whole section, then it, it feels like it requires a different type of brain in order to mm. actually reflect on where am I going next with this? So there's... Yeah almost two types of creativity there's the the scaffolding type where yes I'm thinking about what is the overall structure of this project yeah and then the part where it's just executing yes I don't think that's just writing either I I think it it can be say with programming that if I've got an app that I want to build it can feel impossible if I've got this massive project to do but if I break it down into very small tasks then it's pretty easy each of them yes. maybe only takes 10 minutes to do and it's easy to, to convince myself to work on something for 10 minutes, but working on something for two weeks straight feels impossible. Yeah. I think it, it just comes down to breaking things down into um, smaller tasks, right? Mm. So you have little milestones over those, over those two weeks. Uh, I guess in terms of the idea that it's easier to pick up in the middle of an um, unfinished sentence than it is to, to start something. Uh, yeah, 100%. Uh, like agree with that it's uh, because you've already got the momentum with the unfinished sentence right yeah I'd, I'd, prob I'd probably say the the way around it is just to um, perhaps when you come when you come to the end of that um, that sentence in your like little focus bear um, session so like let's say it hasn't cut you off yet and you finished the section why not just keep writing into the into the next section uh, like just use that momentum that you've actually got in that session and you just like start like going, okay, section two, section two, section two, then like section three, section three, section three, and then Fuchs Bear cuts you off mid-sense in section three. Yeah, it's more that it feels like a different way of thinking that mm. the flow of writing and then it's Switching the mode like, is tough. Yeah. Yeah. It's like switching between writing and editing is hard and switching between writing and structuring. And I think the other thing that is often a problem with writer's block is the temptation to do research. Yes. And one thing I read a very long time ago was the concept of when you think that you need a citation or you need to look something up rather than actually interrupting the writing process and going and looking it up, put a placeholder. Yes. Recommended putting QQQ. And that's something that I've adopted that nice go through. And when I'm writing, I'll either highlight it in yellow and also QQQ and then it's easy to do find and replace later that mm. I'm up to the editing stage or if I'm feeling like my my brain isn't capable of doing any writing in that session instead I can look at all the QQQs and yes about going back and doing some research to pad it out but if I switch between the two if I'm I start writing and then I think I need to look this up then it's not going to be very effective I'm going to do neither of those things well yes yeah, agreed. All right, we've got time for one more topic before we close oh. out, which is around managing emails. I've mm. had a bit of a struggle 
with that for yeah, a long time, but I, it's uh, something where I've used various strategies. I have used in Gmail different stars in order to reference whether a, an email needs to take action. And now you mm. can snooze an email, which I found pretty helpful. But I still have an overall philosophical challenge with it or a psychological challenge, which is that new emails seem fun and old emails that I've flagged <laughs> don't seem fun. And I gravitate towards the new ones because there's that mm. dopamine hit of, oh, what's going to be in this email? There could be something important and urgent in there. Whereas I know mm. that the ones further down the line, they are probably going to involve work. And <laughs> yeah. How do you deal with your inbox? I use filters quite a quite a lot. So, for example, um, I get quite a lot of incoming from different newsletters and um, yeah, different subscriptions because I I just love like just reading different random stuff as uh, subscribers of my newsletter might might know. But uh, it's I take a lot of that incoming stuff and I. Um, Put it. I use Gmail and I put it into a um, label called review. And the idea is every week I will um, go through and I'll review um, uh, like the, the stuff that has gone in there. So this will mostly be stuff that won't need action on it because they're just like uh, interesting things to read. Occasionally I will miss something that needs actioning. Like for example, um, I get like the 80,000 hours newsletter going in there and they, they might have like a, a job opening or something that um, might sound interesting or uh, um, yeah, different, or there might be some limited time promotions or something that I might've otherwise been interested in. Um, but generally speaking, it's, um, it's not, it's not too bad. Uh, and one of the um, things I've found as well, uh, and this was not by design, but it's a happy accident. I've actually fallen behind on, reviewing this stuff. So I'm currently in uh, around August, 2022 at the moment. So I'm a good couple of uh, six, oh, almost a year behind. Uh, but what, what it, uh, the very interesting thing is that it's um, shown me how like a lot of the stuff that comes through doesn't really matter because um, there's a lot of these stories that were like hot topics at the time. Uh, but then inevitably like uh, like three four weeks later they don't matter anymore and so it has it has really showed it has really showed me how um little value um some some stuff is um and to to really hopefully when i get back up to up to um when i get back to up to date like trailing only by a week or two behind uh hopefully i'll bring that through as um that that discipline through to basically say like is this really going to matter three or four weeks from now and if not like, don't bother with it. Just try and stick more towards the more unsexy, timeless stuff. Yeah, it probably is a overall principle for many things in media. Mm. News, daily headlines, they don't have a very long shelf life. Yes, that's right. That's right. I was going to ask you about Pocket as well, and it, it seems quite relevant for this. So with the, yeah. the review label, do you then... Do you read them immediately or do you then go through and decide which ones make it into your pocket list? Yes. Yeah. Pretty much everything. Um, I will, uh, so I'll, I'll go, I'll go through the, I'll go through the different emails and then I'll just like open them in a new tab and basically, yeah, everything that gets opened in a new tab gets put into pocket. And then I will, um, at the end of, at the end, like once I've gone through about a week's worth of stuff, 
I'm actually trying to make it a week and a half now so that I can gradually like get to the end of um or get get to a um back uh back up to date. But um yeah, so generally add everything to pocket and then at the end of the session I will um go through and label things as high uh, as in high priority. Uh and yeah, that will make it basically into my short list. Those are the things that will get read first. Yeah. Okay. How about you? How do you use Pocket? Do you still use it? I have started using it again. I, okay. My, <laughs> I'm far worse than August 2022. I think I'm still going through items literally from maybe 10 years ago. Oh, wow. Yeah. And I'm, I've now added it as a Monday, Wednesday, Friday habit that I'll spend six minutes reading through Pocket. And it's it's okay. I some of the things they are no longer relevant some of them the website has actually died in that time. yes <laughs> yeah one of the challenges i think of going directly from the email newsletter that people will they'll have a a link that is a redirection link rather than going directly to where the external link would be and sometimes those redirection services are dead by the time i get to them in yeah public. Or sometimes they're using a service like ConvertKit or something and um, they might be using like the free version. And I think that allows them only a certain like sliding window. So like you, oh, okay. you go over and you, and you click on it and it goes, sorry, no tracking link. And I'm like, going, what does that mean? I just want to look at a website. Yeah, <laughs> um, yeah but you can always get around that by just um, trying to look at the title or whatever you're clicking on. Mm. I was going to say, uh, Jez, with um, Pocket, I'm pretty bad as well. Like I'll add things to Pocket and I'll label things as high. But um, in terms of things, in terms of things that are um, like, I, I probably have articles in there that are at least a year or two old. And so I used to go through this practice of saying, okay, so if I add 10 items in, then I got to delete 10 items. Um, I think when I was being really strict at one stage, I was, was basically saying for every one item that comes in, delete two items. Uh, and then I lost, I lost that discipline because, um, yeah because I'm lazy in some things. Uh, but yeah, I find I find that that's pretty good as well for managing the information flow. I did that with my podcast backlog. I was at um, 280 um, things on my playlist uh, at the beginning of at the beginning of autumn and I got that down to about 105, 103 uh, by the end of autumn. so I was pretty happy with that. And when you got like a when you've got a, a smaller backlog like that, it's a lot easier to determine what's important and what's not. otherwise mm. everything just gets everything just gets like um lost yeah. yeah yeah for sure i haven't been adding as much into pocket recently i think i've i've stopped subscribing to newsletters oh okay i'm more reading books at the moment and i'm not really listening to podcasts anymore either oh interesting i don't and know how do you feel oh sorry go on am I, are you saying i'm a hypocrite i'm producing a podcast but not listening to them no, not at all. And I really appreciate that you subscribe to my newsletter. It looks like you are still subscribed uh, last time I checked. So thank you. Um, but uh, yeah, I, I, I've often thought, I've thought about that as well, because I, I find that um, a lot of my media consumption is podcasts and articles that are free, but I've also got audiobooks that I've paid for. And I've also got Blinkist that I've paid for. And the consumption time, the relative consumption time for those is actually quite low. So um, it's probably probably like about 25% for the paid services, 75% for the unpaid services. I was like thinking to myself, does that really make sense? <laughs> it's not like it's not like if I switched it around that I'd um, lose, like that I'd um, run out of stuff with the paid services because there's a lot of stuff in there. 
So yeah, I've, I've been thinking to myself, like, should I should I be switching it around or yeah? Do you have any thoughts on that? Yeah, I don't know whether it's necessarily free versus paid, but maybe long form versus short form and mm. the, the quality of the content, it may be higher if it's a book because it's probably gone through some form of editorial review. That's right, yeah. Podcasts are just stream of consciousness, some mm. degree of structure and the same thing yeah. with blog posts. Yeah. Something to play around with. And I'm yeah. more doing paper books at the moment rather than Kindle. Nice. Primarily because I can't find my Kindle after moving out. <laughs> it's a good forcing function. <laughs> yeah. But that's been helpful hearing about how you manage the newsletters because I, I do have some things that I, I put a yellow star on it if it's something that I want to read. Mm. It's still in, in the same inbox. I should probably actually not star it. I should just label it and move it into a, a folder then in Gmail if none, none of it is urgent or just... Yeah. Even the, the high priority with Pocket, that would be a good thing for me to do because I don't have any hierarchy of content in there right now. Yeah, yeah. At, at one stage, I was using an ultra high tag as well when my high list got too too long as well. <laughs> <laughs> Love it. That's yeah. like my Trello board. I've got important, super important, critical, urgent, <laughs> super, super urgent, must do today. <laughs> Are those different boards or are they labels on the same board? The columns in the same board. Yeah, right. Yeah. Good one. <laughs> and the final thing around emails, I've been experimenting with the simple human Chrome extension. People have raved about superhuman, but I didn't quite want to pay 30 bucks per month for it. Yeah. Simple human has some of the, the same benefits where it basically teaches you how to do keyboard shortcuts in Gmail. Ah, yep. And I don't know that it actually saves that much time, but there is something nice about being able to quickly go from one email to the next one and being able to snooze it. It probably only saves me about 30 seconds per email review session, but it does make it a bit more fun. Yeah. Yeah. I think, I think there's a certain level of like nerd cred that comes with it as well. Right. Like just being able to like know like what, what keyboard shortcut does, does what, whereas like, uh, like maybe not nerd cred, but like just power, you feel like a power user and, uh, (laughs) Yeah, whereas whereas other other people are just like using their mouse and just like, <laughs> yeah. uh, no, I, I totally, um, yeah, that really resonates. I think there was another there's another service that was like, um, it it made it made keyboard shortcuts into a martial art or something, and you uh, go up the belts. Is that is that I, is that superhero? Or... I think I've seen that. Yeah, that, yeah, I've seen that for especially for Vim uh yeah for them for them would be especially useful but they, they also had it for gmail they also had it for sublime i think um pretty it's pretty um uh i'm not affiliated with them uh but i i th- thought it was a um pretty interesting business model like they they give you like a certain number of classes for free and then um you pay a subscription uh and the yeah i think that's the only thing that stopped me was just like um well learning keyboard shortcuts probably isn't high on my priority list at the moment uh even if it is just a little bit a day um i just have a, a lot of a little bit a day things at the moment and i don't want to lose momentum with those so yeah that's in the end that's that's the only reason i didn't go through with it is it integrated into the editor or the email client or is it a separate uh, website uh as far as i could tell it's a separate website yeah okay 
Because what I like about Simple Human is that it's actually part of Gmail that mm. I click on something, then it'll say, hey, next time you can press B in order to snooze it. Or you can, you know, compared to having to have it as a, a separate part of your memory that in a, a completely separate environment, you're learning, okay, if I want to snooze an email, I do S. Mm. Now that's, that's, that's cool. So, um, so you're currently got those keyboard shortcuts wrong. I know (laughs) the snooze or something else. I know R is reply. (laughs) O is open. U is, U is back to the, back to the um, list. I think. Is that, is that Jira? I can't remember, but I remember like, (laughs) uh, uh, J J and K have to go backwards and forwards for emails. L is the label, I think. Uh, Yeah. Yeah. So you're currently using that. Yeah, and I, I like that as an overall philosophy of having the training at the point of performance. Yes, yes. Whereas if it's a, in a completely separate environment, I don't know that it transfers as well. Yeah, uh, that would that would um, that would make a lot of sense. Yeah, and is it a, is it a paid is it a paid thing or is it a um, free? It's free. I, I do have some concerns about it because it wants access to the whole of my Gmail, and I don't uh, understand why it needs that because it it could actually just integrate in via Chrome extension based on the page. But I hope they're good. I hope they're not doing dodgy stuff. I think they're <laughs> part of the community, a group of indie hackers. So I, I trust them for that reason. If anyone from Superhuman is listening, let us know in the comments. Are you doing dodgy stuff? <laughs> simple human, superhuman. Uh, simple human. Yeah. Simple human or superhuman. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, All right. Well, I wish I knew the keyboard shortcut to stop recording because I think we're at the end of our time. <laughs> Thanks a lot, Joey. It's been great talking with you and nobody. Yeah, yeah. It's been great talking with you and nobody as well, Jess. We'll be back next week with a guest episode. In the meantime, stay focused, stay chilled. Woo! Thanks for tuning in to this episode of the Focus and Chill podcast. To listen to other episodes, jump onto podcast.focusbear.io. If you'd like to be a guest on the show or you know someone who'd be a good fit, email us at team at focusbear.io. Otherwise, stay focused, stay chilled, and peace out.